brings us to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Ask that you listen very carefully, for this is the Word of God, the Psalm of David, given to us, Psalm 37. It is a bit longer uh, of a psalm, it's 40 verses. Uh, some may not be accustomed to that long of a reading. Seek to seek to keep with it. Uh, may uh, may the Lord give you uh, the ability to cast aside all distractions and focus upon His Word. This is the Word of the Lord, Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evil doers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon be like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. He, uh, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourselves, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the wicked, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land. But those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. For the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken 
or his, chil- or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you and he will exalt you and to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man, spreading himself like a green laurel tree. But he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, I could not, he, he could not be found. Mark the blameless, and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. That ends the reading of the inspired, infallible word of God. At this time, let us pray. Our gracious and merciful God, we have read an extended passage, and we have many thoughts about it. We pray that you would take these words, that you would hide them deeply in the inner recesses of our hearts, that we might not sin against you. Help us to serve you, to love you, and to delight not only in who you are, but in all things that you have providentially planned. Be with us in the reading and now in the preaching of the gospel. Help us, O Lord, to understand your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. In one part of our worship service, we sang from Psalm chapter 1. In Psalm chapter 1, encourages us to see the righteous man. The righteous man is the one who meditates upon the law of the Lord. He meditates upon the word of the Lord day and night. And he does not participate with the wicked in all of the things that they do. The counsel of the wicked seeks to do harm, seeks to be brutal, and seeks to oppose the ways of the Lord. But the righteous man is not like that. The psalm begins saying, 
blessed, which we could say happy. Happy is the man who does these things. And then if you go to Psalm chapter 2, which really are the introduction to all of the Psalms, you see that the Lord has placed his Christ, the Messiah, the Father has placed him in the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly Zion. And all of the kings of the earth are warned that they must kiss the Son, the Son of God, lest he be angry with them and they perish in the way. So we have these two psalms that the blessed and the happy one will be the one who meditates upon the word of the Lord. Now there is none who can do that like the Lord Jesus Christ, for he was forever meditating. But we, in our union with Christ, are called to just that. We are called to be those who meditate upon the word of the Lord and to be happy in that and to wait and see and to see that he is going to do great things and those kings and those civil magistrates who will oppress the people of God rather than confess the Lord will have their day. And it will be a day of vengeance and of wrath upon them. Well, with Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 in our minds, blessed and happy is the one who meditates upon the law of the Lord and with the idea that Christ, the Messiah, will conquer all of the wicked. We look around ourselves and we see that there are many wicked things going on. And it pains our hearts to see the cruelty and the harm of the kings and the emperors of our nation, of our world. And to see officials even in our own government. And to see the wicked bringing harm to the people of God. Now, it certainly is much worse in many other countries. It certainly is very brutal in some. I could name some countries where worshiping together like this would be illegal. I know of underground churches, people who love the Lord, but they cannot worship in the open for fear of being heard or fear of being seen. And they even have to sing at a whisper, lest the authorities catch wind of what is going on. There are many nations where it is either illegal to be a Christian, or it is illegal to share the gospel with another person. But even in our own nation, there are people, even up front, who delight in seeking to cause the people of God, that is to say, the people of the book, the followers of the 
the, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, those who name the name of Jesus, there are people who are coming after them and will lie and take advantage of them and will cheat them and steal them. And when they cannot get at the people of God, they will come for their children and they will announce it even in the streets and even openly. So what do we do when we meditate on Psalm 1? And we are to be blessed and happy in this. And we are to trust that the Lord will have his day when the wicked will be punished. But as we look around, we see that the wicked are not punished. And if we are honest with our own selves, sometimes we do not sense happiness within ourselves. This is because we do not see the things that the Lord has promised to bring coming to pass. We do not see these things. It seems as though those who tell the truth are punished. Those who seek to do good and seek to do right are punished for it. And those who, who are cheating and those who are targeting the people of God are prospering. And we wonder, why, O oh Lord, is this? Why are you allowing this? And what is going on? And we question these things. And we have good reason to question these things. Look at what it says in verse 12. It says, The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. We're talking about unprovoked anger. We understand that there are some Christians who act like jerks to people. And then when there's retaliation, that Christian or those Christians get a, a persecution complex. Oh, this is just because I'm a Christian. Well, no, it's actually just because you're a jerk. There are, there are many of those. And maybe you've met that guy. And maybe you've met that lady. Maybe we've been that person or those people at times. But this is not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is unprovoked. And I, I trust that you've known that man, that woman, who cannot stand the fact that we are teaching our children God's word and we are opposing a new world order agenda of wickedness and perversion. They cannot stand it. That's what we're talking about here in, 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 in verse 12. And so they plot against the righteous to do them harm. Furthermore, in verse 14, look what it says. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose way is upright. There are some who 
will, 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 will confess that they, they came to Christ. I know one very, very personally. This person loved sin, but she would say that she loved more than sin to draw others into that sort of thing. That is to say, living in drunkenness and debauchery. They look at those who have no experience in these things and they think, let us make that which is impure, that which is pure to be impure. Many times the wicked see the people of God, not that the people of God are perfect, not that they have, are, are sinless or have never sinned, but they look upon the people who are seeking to live according to the word of the Lord and they draw their sword against them. They bend the bow and they are seeking to bring an end or to pollute or to violate the pure or those who follow after the Lord or their children. Look what it says in verse 32. For the wicked watch. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. We're talking about a form of premeditation, planning to do evil. Troublesome these things, troublesome they are. If you have your Bible open, in a sense, Psalm 37 is really an expansion of Psalm 36, verse 4. What I have sought to teach different congregations as I go through the Psalms is that oftentimes you'll find something in one Psalm that's mentioned in one verse, and then the, the next Psalm expands it for you. Psalm 36, verse 4. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. That is to say, while the Christian believer is on his bed at night, thinking about the ways that he has fallen short in the day, thinking of the sins he has committed, thinking of the things he has left undone, asking for mercy from the Lord, planning what is to be done the next day and for the, the, the rest of the week, as you heard from our elder. These are right and good things to do, to, to consider the past and ask for the Lord's mercy, to consider the future and to consider the Lord's upholding and his strength and his help for you and for me. What is the wicked doing? He's planning on his bed. He is not thankful for his food. He is seeking to find ways to cause harm to the wicked, uh, to, to the righteous. He is watching. 
And we wonder about these things. Do we not wonder at the ways that they continue to get away with these things? I won't go into detail, but we see the things that are going on in the open. There was a time when wickedness was done in the darkness and when you would shine the light on it, the wicked would flee into the darkness. But we live in a day in which the wicked do dark deeds and they do it right before everyone in the shining light of the sun of noonday. And if these are the kinds of things they do in the open, what do they do in the darkness? What do they do behind the scenes? Well, the, Lord, the Word of God gives us instruction on how we are to react, how we are to live even in this present evil age. And the instruction is given to us in Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37 is very real about the, the, the wickedness of the wicked and the cruelty of the wicked. But it gives us instruction on what we must do. It tells us in verse 1, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. And this is where the word of God seems to rub us somewhat in the wrong way, but it's actually correcting us. The Lord is telling us not to fret. Now to fret means to be anxious, to be overly concerned about these things. We ought to be concerned, but we ought not to be wringing our hands and we ought not to be overly concerned. We ought to seek to do good insofar as we can within our small circle of influence. But we are not to give all of our time to fretting and being anxious about the wickedness of the wicked and the long-suffering of the Lord. And we are to trust in the Lord's plan. See verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Do not fret and trust in the Lord. That is what you should take away from this sermon. This is what I believe you should take away from Psalm chapter 37. If you have family members or friends who would have been here or will be at a different church and they say, well, this is what my pre preacher spoke about. Or, or if they ask you, you can, I want you to know that. It's what you should take away. We should not fret about the wickedness of the wicked. And we should trust the Lord's plan.
It is hard not to fret sometimes. And this verse is a challenge to us, verse 1. And it is hard to trust in the Lord's plan. Let me just speak to, to us as, as, as OPCers, as Orthodox Presbyterians. I don't know about you. I came from paganism. I went around to different denominations trying to figure out which was the church that seemed to be most correct according to the Word of God. I went to different churches. I had really no biblical foundation. I was listening to radio and listening to preachers and listening to different points of view. I was very concerned about the truth of the Lord. Maybe you were raised in the Reformed faith, and if so, praise the Lord. But is it not the case that sometimes as Reformed people and as as uh, Presbyterians, we, we read theology and we're, we're, we're intimately concerned about the truth, and oftentimes we find ourselves more informed about our friends and family members' churches and denominations, and even some of their cults than they are, simply because we're reading the Word of God and we're, we're, we're looking up or reading books on how to share the gospel with others. We, we believe in infant baptism, and all we need to do is mention that, and people want to come and ask us questions and, and seek to show us that infant baptism is wrong. It's correct, by the way. There's no doubt. I'm ready. As, as OPCers, as, as Reformed people, as Protestants, some of us more than others, some of us more than others, we spend our time seeking the answers. We spend our time seeking to follow First Peter 3.15, which tells us, to be ready to give an answer for those who ask us. Do so with gentleness and respect. Well, that is certainly my autobiography. It, maybe it's not fully yours, but we, we do. We do seek to have answers for the, the questions that people bring to us. But here's where that fails. There are some questions that we cannot find the answers to in a book. We can read about other religions and different denominations, our brothers and sisters who are Lutherans and Anglicans and Baptists and such. We can spend our time doing that. But there are some things that we cannot answer. We cannot answer why certain people die and certain people do not. We cannot answer why some children go without mothers, some children go without fathers, some go without food. And there is no book on religions or or, 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 or cults or apologetics that is the defense of the faith. There are no books 
that we are ultimately going to be able to find that will answer the specifics of a person's situation of someone who has been hurt or harmed. Someone who has been harmed by the church. We will not have answers for those things. And so for us as Reformed believers, as Protestants and as Orthodox Presbyterians, let me just ask you, what is faith? What is faith? For some of us, I think our default setting is to think that faith is, is having all the answers. We, we believe the Lord. We believe what he has said. And our understanding of what faith is is intimately tied up with our ability to answer the questions that are brought to us. And that certainly is an aspect of faith. There is another aspect of faith that I want to drive home to you today. And that is trust in the Lord. Do you trust the Lord when you do not have the answers? Do you trust that the Lord is sovereign and that he upholds all things and he does all things well and he does all things good and he does all things right even if you don't understand it? Isaiah tells us that our ways are not the Lord's ways and the Lord's ways are not our ways. People of God, we must own that. We do not know fully what he is doing. And he calls us to trust because we don't understand. Is it not the case that this is the ordinary way with our ordinary God to do things that put people to the test? that caused them to scratch their heads and wonder and think, I don't know what the Lord is doing. Think of, think of Abram, Abraham. He is past child age. His wife is past child age. And God promises them that they will have seed, that they will have a child. And he even promises that he'll be the father of many nations. You have to understand that you know the end from the beginning because you, I trust, have read Genesis. You understand that if, if, if you're in his position, you're scratching your head going, what, what, how, how is this possible? I don't have the answers to this. What's the answer? To trust in the Lord. Finally, the Lord gives him the promised son, Isaac. And what does the Lord call him to do? Call Abraham to do? To sacrifice his son. Again, once again, you know what's going to happen. You know that the Lord is going to intercede because the Lord does not actually want the sacrifice of Abraham's son. This is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ to come. But for Abraham... 
This is scratch my head and wonder. This is a, this is this is the ordinary way of our extraordinary God. Think of Job. Job loses his business, his children, all of these things in a matter of moments, and then his his friends his counselors come to him and they say we know we know there must be some hidden some unconfessed sin so just spit it out just let us know what it is and he maintains his integrity well you know what the end says if you've read the book of job you know that the lord is going to restore him double for his trouble in a sense think of joseph there he is, a little bit of a, a, an overconfident young man, we'll say. He has a dream. You're all going to bow before me to his brothers. What happens? Tossed in a, in a hole, his brothers are going to kill him. Hey, we've got a better idea. Let's, let's go ahead and... Uh, sell him off for slavery. Let's make it look to dad as if he got killed. Here's the jacket you gave him, dad, the coat of many colors. Meanwhile, what's going on in Egypt? He, he seeks to do good. He seeks to do right. He prophesies. He interprets dreams. People are thinking, we, we should remember this guy. And then they forget about him. He seeks to have integrity with a man's wife and is blamed for it as if he had done wrong with her. What is the Lord doing? The Lord knows that he has a plan and that many people are going to suffer because there's going to be a famine and the Lord is, in his great wisdom, causing Joseph to rise and to rise so that the nation of Egypt will stock up so that it will be, in a sense, able to feed the world at that time. If you could have a time machine and go and talk to Abram, what would you do? If you could go and talk to Job, or talk to Joseph in the middle of his hardship. I trust if you're not allowed to say what's going to happen, you just go to them and you say, you just need to hold on a little bit longer. You just need to trust the plan of the Lord because it's going to be okay. Brothers and sisters, you have something far better than going into a time machine and warning them you have the word of God itself. And you have something far better than you in the future coming back and telling you to hold on. You have the Lord himself by his spirit in Psalm chapter 37, encouraging you to trust in the Lord and to trust in his plan, the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. And he came into this world, why? To fulfill the scriptures, 
not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He came into this world to live the life that you and I have failed to live. He came into this world to suffer upon a cross and to, to die. And what was that for? This was for him to bring glory to his father. He did this so that he might pay for your sin and for mine. He did this because he is the glorious bridegroom, the glorious groom who makes the, the wine for the wedding feast from his own blood. He is the one who has a love and a zeal for his bride, the church, that surpasses all husbands. That is why he did this. Yet, in that middle day, the second day, the disciples are disheveled. They did not fully understand and they did not fully trust. But now they know. And when they saw Jesus Christ come from the dead, when they had the fire, the Holy Spirit being poured out upon them from heaven, then they understood. And so it is with us. We do not understand, but we are called upon to trust because there is a day in which we will look back at this time with crystal clear hindsight. We will look back with 2020 vision vision that we do not have at this time. And we will say, the Lord had a plan. And I did not understand it at the time, but now I see the glory of his plan. And now I see that he did all things for his own glory and for the good of his people, for those who trust in him. Do understand that the wicked will be justly condemned for all of eternity. And the righteous and the angels, they will rejoice at the justice of God. Not just the garden variety pagans who seek to do no harm, but also on those pagans and those who hate the Lord and hate his people, they will be justly condemned. In the meantime, what are you to do? You are to pray for them, that the Lord would change their hearts, that he would convert them. This psalm, I will say in closing, mentions multiple times, multiple instances of the, the meek inheriting the earth or the people of God inheriting the earth. And the Lord Jesus in Matthew 5, 5, actually, I think he has this psalm in his mind when he says, the meek will inherit the earth. A day is coming in which that Lord Jesus who promised that the meek will inherit the earth will wipe every tear from the eyes of his people and tears will be placed in a bottle as if in a museum. 
And we will look at them and say, I remember those days. I remember tears. But to me now, they seem like such a foreign object. A throwback to a bygone era, and that is exactly what they will be. Because on that day, the Lamb will have all of the glory, and the Father will have the glory, and the light of the glory of the Father and of the Son, and the shining, beaming power of the Holy Spirit will be displayed, and we will see the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, and we will dwell with the Lord forever and ever. And why will this be? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his suffering on the cross. Something that the people of God did not understand when it happened. But something that you and I look back and understand with great hindsight. When we inherit the land, we will praise kindness and the mercy of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we will forever be with the Lord, and we will have communion with the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and with one another in perfect peace, and we will see that the Lord was right, and we needed to trust his plan. May we do so at this time. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, oh, how we delight. We delight in things which are counterintuitive. We delight in a man who came into this world to suffer and to die. We do not delight in his suffering or his death in one sense because we love him so. But at the same time, we delight because in his suffering is our salvation and in his resurrection is our justification. And so help us, O oh Father, to have our minds stayed upon him and to trust what you have foreordained, what you have predestined, and help us to give glory for, for what you have done. Cause us not to fret, but to trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.